Good morning. Let's see if I do this right. I'm always just, uh, we'll see. Okay. All right. Everybody's all situated. I'm mostly just setting up for myself. Um, my name's Karen. I've met most of you. This is my second time with the New Hope family, and I love being here with you guys. So I'm grateful that I got to come back. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little something about myself. Uh, whenever I'm telling a story or I'm really excited about something, I tend to get really animated. Um, I use my hands a lot when I talk. Um, I always thought it was because I was Italian, but I recently took an um, ancestry DNA test, and apparently my great-grandpa Ferraro, who was from Italy, maybe was not fully Italian because it did not show up on my DNA screening. So... <laughs> Um, but my face gets really expressive. I use my hands a lot. One time my husband said if anybody wanted to kidnap me, they wouldn't need to duct tape my mouth. They would just need to duct tape my hands because I wouldn't know what to say if I couldn't use my hands. Um, I've been a youth pastor for around 19 years, and I'm really familiar with that format. It's a comfortable format for me. We have dynamic discussions back and forth. Um, the youth leaders generally will ask questions, and students will answer, and it's just uh, there's a lot of, like, just back and forth between the students, the leaders, that kind of stuff. And it's like being in a big group of friends where you're just kind of sharing life together, experiences, learning from each other, um, the things that impact, change, or shape us. Um, it's a very familiar context, context, and I don't really get nervous or stressed out when I'm going to youth group. Um, I'm in my natural state, and I move around, and I, you know, I feel at liberty to be expressive and make the weird faces I make when I'm talking. Um, I tell you this, but whenever I speak at church, I kind of freeze up and I kind of like stay in this little safety zone and I don't really move, mu- move much. I, I'm kind of in one spot. My hands stay put, which it's a wonder that words are even coming out when my hands aren't moving very much. Um, and I think that all of us can probably think of areas of our life where we don't feel as free to move or speak um, or interact when we're outside of our comfort zone. Um, sometimes we just want to stay in that comfort zone and not step out of it just because it's unfamiliar and it's scary and our palms get a little sweaty and our voice gets a little shaky and our hands don't move. Um, I want to read a passage from Matthew with you this morning. As we read, I would love if you could try and visualize what's happening, kind of get a picture going on in your head. Um, Imagine who's there, the people that are there. Imagine what's around, the thoughts and the feelings of the people that are kind of in this space, what they're seeing, smelling, what they're touching. Imagine what time of day it is. Imagine if it's dark or light. Kind of get a moving picture in your mind as we read, kind of like a movie. Kind of get a screenplay in your head as we're, as we're reading. And um, this story in Matthew takes place after Jesus and the disciples were just um, in this kind of isolated place with this crowd of um, over 5,000 people. We know that it was 5,000 men, and that didn't include the women and children. So we have 5,000 families here. They just fed them with only five loaves of bread and two fish. So that miracle just happened. And right after that, we move into uh, Matthew 14, starting at verse 22. So I know um, Marty has that verse for us when the computer decides to put it up. Um, Because I know Marty probably already clicked it. Oh, see, look at that. Uh, So as we read again, get that moving picture in your head. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, 
and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I had to look up buffeted because I didn't actually know what that meant. So the water is like beating up against the boat. Um, So get that picture in your head. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when, Jesus, but when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. So I've read this story a few times. Did you guys, did you get some pictures in your head going while you're reading through that? I've read this story a few times and always my, my big takeaway has been that doubt can sink us. Um, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we're above the waves. And when we take our eyes off Jesus and we're um, overwhelmed by the storm that's around us, we can start sinking. That's always been the takeaway. And I still believe that that is very much the, the truth and, and that is a very important takeaway to get. Um, But I think that as I've read through this passage recently, um, there's so much more that we need to learn from this event. After feeding 5,000 families with a serious food shortage, Jesus sent his disciples ahead of him and he, as he sees the crowd off, the crowd that they've fed. So the disciples are leaving, Jesus stays, he's taking care of the crowd, and he also wants to spend some time praying alone. And if we can just imagine for a minute the perspective from the disciples, I picture that they're feeling tired. I picture that Jesus just sent them away, and they did exactly what he told them to do. Um, But more and more distance was separating the disciples from Jesus. And now they're on the water with heavy winds and water beating up against the boat, and Jesus is nowhere in sight. In verse 25, it says, It's just before dawn when the disciples see Jesus walking on the lake. They don't recognize that it's him, And they're seeing this human figure walking on water, completely defying everything that we know and understand and have experienced in our physical world. Um, All they're naturally terrified. I think it makes sense to be scared if you saw somebody walking towards you. Now, also picturing that um, a good amount of time has passed and a good amount of distance has occurred. So we're talking about dawn. They left the crowd after mealtime, right? So it's getting dark outside. So they've kind of gone through the whole night, and it's just like first crack of dawn, and now they see this figure walking on them on top of water. So it makes sense to me that they're a little scared or very, very scared. Um, And I don't think that we give enough pause to kind of what happens next. Imagine being on a boat just before dawn, the light is dim, and in the distance you see someone walking towards you. I imagine they're tired, they're stressed, they left Jesus back there um, as they've told them, and now they're kind of thinking like, okay, there's this thing walking toward us and Jesus isn't with us. Um, but Jesus doesn't let them sit in their fear or their speculation. 
he tells them, take courage. These are words of encouragement. It is I, he identifies himself. Do not be afraid. He gives them direction. I imagine the disciples are still feeling kind of skeptical. But Peter gathers up enough courage to actually speak out and say, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So I feel like we need to give Peter some credit here. Everybody else is scared, rightfully so. Makes sense. Uh, But Peter, Peter in, in that moment of nervousness or stress or whatever he's feeling, he still says, okay, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus, he does. He says, come. Um, Peter recognizes his Savior's voice. He recognizes his call. I can't say that all the time. I don't always recognize God's voice in my life. I don't always hear him calling me. And I'm kind of like sitting in that boat wondering, where do you want me, God? Where do you want me? And Jesus is probably saying, come out on the water. And I'm like, what? I don't, God, you want me? Hello? Anybody there? And Jesus is like, come. And I'm like, I still, anything, anything at all. Um, maybe I'm alone, but hopefully other people relate. Or actually, hopefully nobody relates. I hope you're all like, no, I know my God's voice. <laughs> But I battle in my mind with what God wants, what God doesn't want. Where am I supposed to be? How should I be serving? Peter hears this call and he answers. He steps out of the safety of his comfort zone, the boat, and he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus. His trust is fully in him and he starts walking toward him on the water. He defies gravity. He defies physics and so many other scientific laws. Then Peter sees what's going on around him. But it's not what what he sees that causes him to start sinking. It's what he feels. The waves, the wind, the water. They were all there when he stepped out of the boat. But as he became more vulnerable, and the boat was behind him, and he's getting farther away from that safety zone, he became maybe nervous. He was shaken. He got scared. I don't know what was racing through his mind, I can imagine, Um, but I don't know because I've never been called out of a literal boat out onto water that's, you know, being blown around. I imagine that at that time, as he's got all these thoughts racing through his mind, he's going from seeing Jesus and having his eyes fixed on Jesus to an over-analytical, overthinking. Wondering what's going to happen. He's looking at the wind. He's looking at the waves. All these distractions that come in. And he's thinking about his own mortality. And that's a scary thought. And he's letting that, all these thoughts, the overanalyzing, the mortality, he's letting that have a stronger hold on him than the one who called him out of the boat in the first place. So Peter, as he's sinking, calls out, Lord, save me. In the midst of his fear and doubt, Peter still knew who to call out to. And I think we don't think about that often enough. Sometimes we think, oh, Peter doubted and he started to sink and it's just such a shame. But he knew who to call out to. And I think that's an important life lesson for all of us. When we're sinking, because it's going to happen in life, we need to know who we call out to. He calls out to Jesus, Lord, save me. We will have sinking moments in life. Maybe those moments will last days, maybe they'll last months, maybe they'll last years, maybe decades. Maybe it feels like so long that we are sinking but we can't forget who we need to call out to. When I've read this passage before, I've moved straight from thinking, um, straight from Peter sinking to Jesus telling him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? 
And there's so much... I have, a, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter. She's not here this morning. And one of the things we're working on in our house right now, my other kids can all attest to this, is her tone of voice. Have you ever, if you have kids or nieces or nephews or siblings or parents, you've probably heard before, it's not what you said, it's how you said it, right? Is that a familiar phrase to some of you? So my daughter right now, um, what we're working on is she'll say, I'll say, hey, Eden, and she'll say, what? I'm like, oh, and, and then she gets upset when I say, Eden, that is not an appropriate tone. Well, why? I just said what? I'm like, okay, I want feel the difference. Hey, Eden, what? And hey, Eden, what? Does that feel different to you? And she's like, yeah, I guess it does. But she's, you know, she's having a hard time getting a grasp on that. Um, it takes practice, right? And most of us, especially um, some of us women, uh, maybe take a little longer to learn that tone of voice thing. Um, <laughs> Maybe some of us are still working on it. (laughs) So when Jesus says this, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When I read that before, I'm hearing, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I'm hearing a lecture. But I'm thinking, what if Jesus' tone was a little more, you have little faith, why did you doubt? A little more gentleness. Him saying, hey, I got you. Why did you doubt? There's nothing to doubt here. The tone of voice is so different. So I've been trying on different tones of voice and imagining, how did Jesus say this? Because what I know of God, yes, he's powerful. Yes, he's mighty. And yes, he does correct us and he does rebuke us. But he is also kind and he's also loving. And he cares about us. And he knows some of us need that. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Some of us need that tone, right? Maybe some of us are a little more stubborn than others. But some of us who might be a little more gentle and sensitive, we need the... You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And I think that God knows what tone we need, and that's the tone he's speaking in. So I'm thinking, while Peter's out on this water and these waves are crashing about him, and he had faith, and he stepped out, and I'm thinking, this is a little harsh. Peter's the only one who actually stepped out of the boat, and now Jesus is kind of rebuking him. But I'm not right. Jesus is not being harsh. It's a real question. And we can't overlook what is actually happening in that moment. If you have that visual in your mind, Peter is looking at Jesus. He sees the wind. He gets scared. And what does Jesus do? There's actually a step that I always skip over when I read that. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. I always skip that part. I just go straight to where Jesus is correcting him. But he reached out his hand and he caught him. He didn't let Peter sink. He didn't lecture him first. He saved him first. And while I read this verse, or while I read this verse, and imagined that Jesus was being abrupt with Peter and telling the guy who stepped off the boat that his faith was little, which makes me wonder how tiny my faith is, I'm reminded that Jesus also says in Matthew 17:20 that truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, You can say to a mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Those are Jesus' words. This is what he wants to do for us. This is the God we serve. A God who walks on water to come to us. And as we walk toward him, he will extend, extend his hand to catch us as we sink. And while he's saying to Peter, you have little faith, that is not an insult. Because even with a little faith, you can move mountains. So what about the uh, disciples who didn't leave the boat? They're kind of left there. They're probably watching all of this happen. 
And uh, it, this wasn't a one-time calling. They didn't miss it. Because what happens next is that Jesus, with Peter, gets onto the boat. He meets us all where we're at. Maybe you're somebody who could step off the boat and walk on that water straight to Jesus. Maybe you're somebody who's like, I'm staying in the boat. Kind of like when I'm speaking at church and my arms just kind of stay right here and I don't move them too much and I don't walk around. This is kind of my boat right now. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying. <laughs> Uh, But, you know, Jesus, he meets us where we're at. He doesn't leave us hanging or sinking. Um, I almost didn't include the last few verses of that passage uh, because I was primarily thinking about how Jesus calls us to step out in faith. But when Jesus and his disciples reached the other side of the body of the water, there were people bringing the sick to him. And all they wanted to do was just touch the edge of his cloak. They were doing everything they could to get these sick people to him and just touch the edge of his cloak. And while I almost left that out, I realized this is very relevant to the rest of the story. Because this is a huge act of faith. These people are so excited about Jesus that they're spreading the word of his arrival around to everybody else. And they have their hearts and their minds just set on getting their sick to him. And I can't imagine that doing that was an easy thing to do. They just wanted to touch the end of his cloak. You know, these guys, they couldn't just get in a car like we do or put them in a wheelchair and get them to a car and lift them in. You know, for them to travel any distance, even if it's a short distance, um, from my house to here, I think it's maybe like two and a half miles. It's not very far. But when you're on foot, it feels a whole lot farther than when you're in a car. So these, these people, their traveling is different than ours. And they're, getting all, they're trying to get their sick to him. And why is that? It's difficult, but they want to do it. They just want to touch the edge of his cloak. Because it's an act of great faith. I don't believe that it's the, the clothes that healed them, those that touched it. I think it's their faith that did, their faith in who Jesus is. And it's like Peter being called out to Jesus in that moment where he was drowning, or Peter called out to Jesus in that moment he was drowning. These people are also reaching out to Jesus. So my question here this morning, what is your boat? What boat are you sitting in? What are you afraid to step out of? All of you guys, I know you've gone through a lot of transitions, a lot of transitions, and you've been challenged in so many ways, and so many of you are stepping out of your boat. And it's so encouraging and exciting to see um, this new facility that you're in. It's beautiful, but it's not beautiful because of where it's at. It's beautiful because of the people who are making it beautiful. It's the warmth and the heart that's in it, and that's done by the church, the people. The people are the church. It's not the building. It's not the decorations. It's, it's you guys. It's your hearts that are making this place so beautiful. And so many of you have had to step out of whatever boat you were in to make this happen. And congratulations on that. And some of you might be staying inside the boat saying, okay, I've kind of put my toes in the water a little bit, but I feel like I'm supposed to do more than that, but I'm scared too. It's okay to be a little scared, right? But don't stay in that space. Don't stay in the fear because that's not our calling. It's natural, but it's not beneficial. So remember, like Peter did, he called out to God. Call out to God and be willing to hear what he says to you, which can be very, very scary. So whatever comfort zone you might be staying in, maybe it doesn't have to do with church. Maybe it has to do with your family. Maybe you have kids that are struggling, parents that are struggling. Maybe you're struggling with your health, your finances, whatever it may be. Um, Maybe there's changes that need to be made, and change can be so, so intimidating. Whatever waves are buffeting your boat, um, 
whatever confusion and doubt that you're having, it's not bigger than the name of Jesus Christ. We have to hear him calling us, and he's calling us out on the water. And he's not going to let us drown. He's not going to let us drown. So before you go home today, um, what I'm going to ask for you to do is tell somebody what that boat is. You might have something in your mind right now. I'm struggling in this area, or I'm not struggling because I'm totally comfortable. I'm just staying right here. This is good for me, but I feel like I'm supposed to be doing more. Maybe talk to somebody who can mentor you, challenge you. Um, this isn't, when we hear the word mentor, I think a lot of times we think of somebody older than us, and that is not the case. Sometimes it's somebody younger than us. Sometimes it's somebody same age as us. Uh, the Holy Spirit does not have age boundaries, so don't be distracted by somebody's age. If there's something that we can learn from one another, as a church family, we've got to be open to learning it. So if there's somebody that you could share with, hey, this is a boat I'm in, and I've noticed that that's not something you struggle with. Can you help me? Tell me what that looks like. Help me get a picture of what it looks like to move out. And know that if you start to sink, that Jesus will immediately catch you. He's not going to let you drown. Sometimes he lets us struggle a little because there are lessons that come from that, but he's not going to let you drown. Um, Also, I'm a very visual person. I love visuals. Um, I think it's maybe because I have ADD. I don't know. Um, I I do know I have ADD. I don't know if that's why I feel like I need visuals. But but, uh, I feel like um, it's helpful to me to have something tangible because I, I tend to be one of these people that... I'll hear something really important. I'm like, ooh, I need, to, I need to write that down. I don't have a pen. I should write it down. Okay, well, I don't have a pen. I'll remember it. That's, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to remember it. When I, when I leave whatever environment I'm in that I heard it, I'm a blank slate. It's just gone. So um, I try to write things down. Um, but uh, I asked my daughter, Zion. Sorry, Zion. She's, so Zion is um, an outgoing introvert, if that makes sense to you. She's shy, uh, but very friendly. And she's also very artistic. Um, and I asked her to draw a picture for, for us this morning. And um, we kind of put them on these little cards that I want each of you to have. Hey, Zion, I'm, I didn't ask you beforehand, but do you mind coming and grabbing these? You don't have to go pass them out individually, but just kind of to the edges so that people can... She's looking at me like, why did you do this? <laughs> Could you get out of your boat real quick? And <laughs> thank you. She, she heard the call. <laughs> and she answered, I'm so proud of you. Do you mind? You, you don't have to, like, and just, you know. So this is original artwork by Zion Engel. <laughs> yeah, just get to the edges. They can, they, yeah. They know what to do. We've done offering baskets, right? <laughs> kind of the same thing. Um, while she's passing those out to you, I want to pray for you guys. Again, I want to remind you that um, you need to tell somebody what your boat is. Because if you keep it to yourself, you're just going to stay in that boat. Maybe you'll eventually get out, but if you have somebody kind of encouraging you and walking alongside you, you're going to be able to get out of that boat faster, and you're going to be able to see you know, a clearer vision of what it is that God wants from you. And he's going to train you up. Actually, when, um, when uh, I was, I think, maybe 19, about 19 years old, my husband and I were helping in youth ministry, and our youth pastor felt this call to um, work in like an associate pastor capacity. And so he asked Ezra and I uh, what we thought about um, taking over the youth ministry. And we were like, no, we're here to help. Like we're, we're in, we've kind of been married about a year at that point. So we were like, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm ready for that. So I must've been maybe about 20. And um, I didn't feel like I was, you know, we just, we're here to help. So whoever comes in next, 
we'll help them. But in the meantime, he was like, well, I don't know who's going to take over youth ministry. And so Ezra and I told him, you know what? It's not your job to worry about who's going to take over. It's your job to do what God's telling you to do. Because what might happen is whoever is meant for that role isn't filling it because they don't see that it's an open slot. And not everybody's going to just come in and say, hey, I feel called to do this. They might be waiting for it to open up. Or maybe they won't even see it until there is a gap there, right? So we told him, don't worry about what's going to happen. Ezra and I are here to support whoever's next. Thanks, Simon. Um, your job is just do what God tells you to do. And if God's calling you, just go. Do it. And so he did. It turns out it was Ezra and I. <laughs> we didn't know. Um, it was a couple months later we, we stepped into that role and we kind of were like, do you think maybe, I think it's us. I think we're supposed to, I think this is what we're supposed to be doing. We would have never seen that if our friend Richard hadn't gone where God called him. So if you're in a boat that's actually meant for somebody else or you're, you know, you're staying in one spot because it's comfortable for you, but you know you're kind of being urged to go somewhere else, don't stay in that spot. One, because you're, God's trying to grow you in other areas, and he also wants to grow other people in other areas. So, you know, the, the thing we need to do, the thing that we're called to do is step out of our boat, walk on that water, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and know that if you drown, he's right there. He's going to catch you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Thank you, God, that when we are in scary times in life, when we're stepping out onto the water and we're surrounded by waves and wind and death, pain, hurt, broken relationships, it feels like we're drowning, God. And we're calling out to you right now, Lord. We're saying, Jesus, catch me. Jesus, save me. You are a faithful God. We trust, Lord, that you will answer that call that you will catch us. You won't let us sink, God. We may feel like it's too much for us, and it probably is, Lord. It is too much for us, but we're not alone. It's not too much for you. Thank you for reaching out your hand and catching us. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, God, even through the storm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was just thinking about um, 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. May you exit these doors this morning and leave the comfort of whatever's keeping you back from fully answering and embracing the call that God has on you. May you feel his blessings. May you feel his arms around you. When you feel like life is drowning you, May you feel his hands lifting you up. Amen.